God created us all and declared that we were good. And that includes all of who you are, your gender identity, your sexuality, all of that. No one can take away God's love from you, uh, no matter how they try. Okay. Okay. One, two, ready, go. Welcome to the Called to be Bad podcast. My name is Mariah Martin, and I feel called to be bad. It turns out I'm not the only one. Join us as we dig into all things bad, scandalous, deviant, you know, the stuff that makes good church folks squirm in the sanctuary. Why? Well, because sometimes the scandalous is spiritual, deviant is divine, and bad is beautiful. Say yes to the call, and let's see what holy trouble we get into today. Hello, Debbie. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Good. So um, Debbie B. is a seminary student, and she just happens to go to my alma mater. Is that the right term? Yeah, alma mater. Um, Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, and she is working on her Master's of Divinity. Uh, She is called to pastoral ministry, and she desires to serve marginalized people. She's passionate about queer inclusion in the church, easy access to health care for transgender people, earth care, fighting food insecurity. She is originally from North Carolina, but she and her wife Emily moved to Indiana so she could attend seminary in person. And she brought with her her three dogs. Uh, who are Jenny, Remy, and Chili, which are amazing names, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Debbie is a fairly new Mennonite, having been attracted to Anabaptism in 2018 because of the tenets of pacifism, priesthood of all believers, and communal discernment of scripture. After seminary, she hopes to be a pastor in a church that celebrates queerness, where she can be a part of a large community garden that empowers people to grow for themselves and that provides food for many families, which all sounds really, really great. And so when I talked to Debbie and asked her what her bad topic would be, she said she would love to talk about celebrating queerness. And so as per usual, let's define our terms, develop some shared language for our conversation. So how do you define queer or queerness? Well, queer is an umbrella term. Uh, It refers to anyone that lives outside the norm, uh, particularly as it pertains to sexuality and gender. Um, It's a reclaimed slur. And as an umbrella term, it encompasses you know, a lot of things. Um, Some people struggle with the word queer because it's a reclaimed slur, but Mm -hmm. I love it. I love saying that I'm queer. Um, And and I think it encompasses all other parts of LGBT and does not exclude others who are different from the norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Queerness is beloved and beautiful and holy and should be celebrated. And so uh, what does celebration mean to you within all of this, within queerness? And uh, Celebration to me is an invitation to be your whole self. Mm-hmm. It's not barring queer people from ministry. It is inviting queer people into leadership roles in the church and not denying us anything that non-queer people have access to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's parties that celebrate new names and pronouns as a community. It's being a supportive place to bring your partner 
It's teaching queer theology from the pulpit. Mm. Uh, It is celebrating the expansive God that we all love. It's a move beyond acceptance into love and joy. Mm, I love that. So this is a personal topic for you. Um, Would you like to share some of why you have a heart for celebrating queerness? Yeah. um, First and foremost, I'm queer and many of my friends are queer. I've experienced rejection and pain at the hands of the church, and I wish that I could save people from that however I can. And I wish that the church could be a place of safety and celebration. Sure. Uh, Well, along those lines, um, we're both in the Anabaptist Mennonite tradition, um, and in the Mennonite church especially, uh, but also in the larger church, there's a lot of talk of tolerance and uh, forbearance. essentially existing together while fundamentally disagreeing about how to do community get together with um, our LGBTQ siblings. And you would like to move us past tolerance, past forbearance, past inclusion, and into celebration. Um, So what could that look like in church? Well, um, I heard someone say once, maybe maybe my pastor, um, unity is comfort for those who are in power. Mm. The call for unity from those who control the way that things are is a call for marginalized and minority people to not make those in power uncomfortable with their beliefs. Instead of listening, understanding, and changing for the good of those who are left behind or harmed in the church, the church will ask for those people to be quiet to not raise a fuss, to let those in power feel comfortable in their decision to exclude them from full participation in the church. This is dangerous and not in line with Jesus' message to care for the least of these. Mm. Jesus did not tell his disciples to ignore the least in favor of keeping the powerful comfortable. Yet, this is what it feels like to me when the church calls for unity and forbearance. It's ignoring the pain of hurting people so that difficult conversations and learning does not have to happen. I believe it's better to listen to the voices of the marginalized, work to build a place that's safe for them, for us, and and that will be a safe place for everyone. It's okay to question things. Mm -hmm. It's okay to struggle with being affirming. It's okay to be challenged by things you don't understand. What isn't okay is to move to a place where you, as the person in power, are comfortable at the expense of those who do not have power. Don't use your discomfort or desire for unity to harm others. It's as simple as that. So once you move past that, you can move into education, relationship, celebration of marginalized peoples. You can create a place that's safe for those who often don't have safe places, And this is what the church should be when you move beyond just safety and into a place of celebration, lives are changed. Lives are saved. Mm -hmm. The church should be the place that anyone can go and feel safe, loved, and celebrated. Yeah. And you are currently in in seminary. Uh, How has your heart for the church shaped your call to bring celebration into your future ministry um, and the work that you're doing right now uh, in school? Well, (laughs) this may sound silly, but I just I just really love the church. Um, I love the rituals, 
the goofy little things we do as a people milling around trying <laughs> to love God. I love the the hymns, the potlucks, and the the earnest ways we try to do life together with people who are different from us. Mm. We all have this is common thread running through us. And that is our love for God and the love of God. Uh, mm-hmm. Church is the place where we try to weave that thread together into something beautiful. It's such a unique place where people come together from so many backgrounds and differing beliefs. And I just love that. Uh, because I love the church so much, I I want it to be a place where we can not only do life together around our shared love of the creator, but also where we can fully celebrate each other and the diversity of God's creation. So much good can come from the church if we do it right. And mm-hmm. so many people are, are working to make this good happen. Well, yeah. I want to join them and be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing, especially since you said, like, um, you have been hurt by the church. Um, And and so many people are saying, no more, I don't want to exist within the structure that has hurt me. And yet you see kind of the possibilities um, or the potential for the amazingness of the church. Um, And so your your love for the church is is inspiring. I, I appreciate that. Hello, beloved baddies. A quick break to tell you that this episode is sponsored by the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul, a nonprofit that supports and amplifies the voices of edgewalkers through art that catalyzes change, laughter that brings us together, and soul awakening to the creative spark within us. The support from the Center for Art, Humor, and Soul has meant the world to this podcast. So I highly encourage you to check out their website, arthumorandsoul.com, to see their other featured artists and projects. If you want to support the podcast, you can check out our Patreon or get in touch. Now I'll let you get back to this episode of Called to be Bad. So I am drinking coffee from my Hugs to You mug, which is uh, um, it's Suzy Zoo. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but my mom used to do stamps with Suzy Zoo. Anyways, I just think this mug is really cute. And I am drinking my good old regular um, black coffee. What, what do you have, Debbie? I have tea, my favorite, which is Earl Grey, in my Totoro mug. <laughs> oh, cute. Um, it is a Japanese style um, mug, so it doesn't have a handle. And it has lots of little figures from the Studio Ghibli anime movie, um, My Neighbor Totoro. And so super, super cute. I love it. My, mine says, um, hugs to you with a big exclamation point. And then it has a duck hugging a rabbit. <laughs> so. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah. So how, how would you respond to someone who said that celebrating queerness makes you a, in quotes, bad Christian or pastor, etc.? <laughs> Well, uh, I probably laugh <laughs> and and suggest that they find something more original to say. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, query Christians hear constantly that we're bad Christians. Uh, non-affirming people seem to think that they must tell us their version of the truth or we won't know somehow. Mm-hmm. There are thousands and thousands of sermons, essays, billboards, books, you name it. 
that tell us queer folk that there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And yet so many non-affirming Christians continue to pile it on as if it is some special truth that they must share with us. I'm not one of the queer people who feels called to change minds. I'm not called to sit down with non-affirming people and teach them what it is that we know as queer people that tells us that we are created good and loved by God just as much as they are. I have a lot of respect for those allies and queer folk who are called to those conversations, but that is not me. I am terrible in an argument. I get flustered, I get frustrated, I lose my train of thought. I am so not a good person to defend myself in one-on-one conversations with people who want to fight with me. So I'll leave that to those who are good at that and will instead follow where my heart leads, which mm-hmm. is serving uh, serving marginalized people, especially those that are queer. If I get the sense that someone who says I'm a bad Christian for being gay may actually be interested in learning more, I'd probably invite this person to educate themselves and offer some resources. I would not enter into arguments where I have to defend my humanity, my rights, or the fact that I am loved by God. I'm not interested in having those conversations. So I'll remove myself from that situation and go back to celebrating queer lives. Yes, I love that. I I love that. Uh, I I grew up in a home that was very, um, I don't know, argumentative sounds a bit too uh, fierce, but uh, we we were encouraged to like debate, to like have conversations, um, to kind of argue in a way that we could learn. And so it's it's funny that you say that because I think I forget sometimes that not arguing is an option. <laughs> like <laughs> you can just say like no, I'm not going to enter into this conversation with you. For me like some I just like my first impulse is to like prove my point or whatever. So I I appreciate that stance of like no, there's nothing there's nothing to defend. Yeah. Um, so I Yeah, like- I I definitely can understand doing that. Um that desire to prove your point or to argue, especially when it feels so sacred and special to you. Um, But ultimately, I don't know that that is what makes the difference in this particular conversation. That thing that makes a difference is just relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I can show Bible verses that prove my point and someone else can show Bible verses that prove their point, but without a relationship, neither of us are going to come away from that exchange, really understanding the other side's point because, you know, we all read the Bible from our own context. We, we read what we understand, what we want to read, if that makes sense. And no amount of, you know, just shouting Bible verses at each other is, is going to make a difference. It's about a relationship. Yeah. So um, what is your vision for how celebrating queerness can impact the life of, of queer folks? Well, the biggest source of sorrow and danger for queer people, in my opinion, is the church. Whether that's whether the church is simply a source of rejection for queer Christians, or if it's a place where bigots are made that cause harm outside of the church, church can be so unsafe for queer folk. 
um, if we take away that danger and church can be a place where anyone can find community and a shared love of the creator, then everyone can flourish. Mm -hmm. If someone feels safe to try different gender expressions or pronouns, their world and the way that they relate to God can open up in a really beautiful way. If a queer couple isn't afraid to ask a pastor to marry them in their church, then their lives together can be so much sweeter. If queer people feel empowered and supported in their churches, then who who knows how far they will go? I know many queer seminarians who followed God's call to ministry. For some, like me, this included the support of their congregation, and this is an incredible gift. For others who were not able to be out to their congregation, there can be a, a sense of sorrow. They cannot celebrate with their family the extra joy of feeling loved and desired by God for all of who they are. If church was a safe place for queer people, it would make such a difference in our lives. And how much more would be if we moved from simply a safe place to one that actually celebrates us? Mm, yeah, it, it reminds me of this, this call to kind of question why there needs to be like welcoming congregations in the first place, like not just working on um, being as accepting and inviting as possible, but uh, asking the questions like, why are there barriers to begin with? Why do we have to be welcoming? Why is it just not um, absolutely understood that this church is welcoming for everyone? Mm. Uh, so I kind of hear you uh, doing both, like removing barriers and also questioning why was the barrier there in the first place? Um, and I appreciate also this call to authenticity that we can all be in the church and be celebrated for all of who we are, not just facets of our existence. Um, so yeah, a call even beyond um, safety, moving moving towards celebration and and and. Uh, What's the word? Oh, like like having your whole integrated self there. Mm. Do you have any advice for leaders in ministry to help, you know, help this process to help move towards celebration in their policies behind the pulpit um, and in pastoral care? Yeah, well, the foundation of caring for queer folk is education and relationships. I recommend that leaders educate themselves first and foremost. There are many resources available and everyone should explore them, leadership position or not. If you're a leader with power, use that power to speak up for queer people. Put your pronouns in your email signature and on your name tags. Turn your bathroom in your church to a gender neutral bathroom. Mm -hmm. Try to avoid supporting the gender binary by saying things like brothers and sisters. Um, and explore talking to God with different pronouns than he. Uh, see how that makes you feel. And if it expands something for you, as it does for so many queer people, um, listen to queer podcasts, watch mm -hmm. sermons by queer pastors, read queer theology books, be humble and realize that you have a lot to learn and be flexible and know that things change from time to time. You might learn something that challenges you and then later learn that there's a new thing to learn about that thing that is also challenging. Give yourself some grace if you mess up, but try to do it better the next opportunity you have. Find ways to educate yourself and then act on that education. Call out your friends for their anti-queer jokes or policies. Invite your friends and congregants to do the same things that you're doing. And 
build relationships. If you want to be a good ally to queer people, you need to know queer people. You need to hear our stories and listen to what makes our hearts sing. Mm -hmm. So if there's a community of queer people that you can be a part of as an ally, do that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. I'm like, I was going to like take notes. (laughs) I realized I can go back and just listen to it again. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. And those are all very like tangible items. You know, it's not just theoretical, like this is something you can do today. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, what would you say to someone who is in a church where they do not feel welcomed or celebrated? Oh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Um, I'd say I see you and mm-hmm. I understand when your heart longs to be in community with other people who love God, yet that community doesn't want you there. It can feel devastating. and and can sort of make you feel removed from God. Mm. I I don't have any practical advice that would work in every situation. Um, Some people feel called to be the ones that bring change to their congregation, and some feel called to leave and join a new place that will accept them. No matter which of those calls you feel, you are beloved of God, and you deserve a home that loves you and celebrates you. I'd recommend finding a community online and locally. There are lots of resources that can help you find an affirming church, like the Supportive Communities Network, gaychurch.org, churchclarity.org, etc. If you feel called to be a part of a congregation that would like to move towards inclusion and celebration, there are resources available that can help with that, such as the Brethren Mennonite Council for LGBT Interests. Reaching out to organizations like this and Finding some more supportive community can really help. But most importantly, never, ever forget that God created you and deeply loves you. Mm. Uh, you kind of touched a little bit on, on some resources, but do you have any other resources uh, people can draw from if they want to uh, move towards celebration both in and out of the church? And we can also like link them um, in the description um, and in the show notes too. But- yeah. Yeah, my my starting point is queertheology.com. There's lots of information there and a community that you can be a part of. I also like Austin Hartke's page. Um, There's a trans faith resources page. Uh, Transmission Ministry is a great source for trans Christians. More Light Presbyterian has great resources. And also American Psychological Association has some great non-faith-based papers on trans and non-binary identities and general, general gender diversity, say that three times fast, (laughs) information. Um, It has a division called Society for the Psychology of Sexual Orientation and Gender Diversity. And lastly, my favorite resource for prayers, liturgies, and sermon ideas and orders of worship, that kind of thing, is enfleshed.com. I'd recommend that people use those resources to educate themselves, but as I mentioned before, the most important thing is relationships. Get to know queer people, listen to our stories, hear how God works in our lives and calls us. Nothing makes more of a difference in moving towards celebration of queer folk than actually knowing queer people. We're here and many of us want to be a part of the church and want to serve others through our love of God. If you want to be a part of that, 
join us. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) We're beloved of God and we're going to keep seeking God however we can. And I invite you to be a part of that because it's beautiful. And again, to my theme, deserves to be celebrated. Yeah, love it. Thank you so much, Debbie. I appreciate appreciate everything that you've brought to the table today. Um, Any final thoughts here? I guess just just doubling down on, on the idea that God created us all and declared that we were good. And that includes all of who you are, your gender identity, your sexuality, all of that. No one can take away God's love from you, uh, no matter how they try. And I encourage everyone to seek out communities that support them in their walk with God and feel encouraged to listen to God's voice and follow your call wherever it takes you. Thank you. Normally, uh, we end with a blessing where I bless you and the listeners, but I feel like you just blessed all of us. So I don't even. (laughs) Yeah. So. Thank you for that. I guess I, I will. I will. I do still want to honor the work that you're doing and um, just say I, I really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, so many people will benefit from the ways that you are forging forward and, uh, and and not not in a way that's just like, oh, this is like hard work, but um, kind of how much you love the church and how you are working in celebration. So Thank you for that. So yeah, may I bless you, Debbie, and all the listeners. Yes, thank you. Debbie and their viewers and listeners, uh, may you go forward in this spirit of celebration, knowing that no matter what, all of you, all aspects, all facets of your being, they are loved and held by a good, good God. Uh, may you feel seen and known and heard. Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, thanks, Debbie. That's all for this episode of Called to be Bad. Keep being your bad, beautiful selves, and I will see you next time.